Is Darren Waller going to find himself as a draft value this season? Is Cooper Cup the right choice at 104 in the FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament? And what NFC East bell cow represents a draft day conundrum for fantasy players right now? Plus, the 2021 FFPC main event fifth place finisher, the 2021 FFPC 1250 live best ball number two winner, and the 2021 FFPC Bare Knuckle Challenge champion. No, not three different guests. He's all the same guy. He's Mike Zuka. He's going to be hanging out with us tonight as well as the 2021 $10,000 FFPC Super Bracket winner, Zeb Cap, swinging on into the program, too. We've got a great show for you. Mike Zuka and Zeb Cap are here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts I can't now. stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Hey, thanks for Rob, and thank you to the Quiet Hollers. Remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com. I always forget to do this at the end of the show, but our outro is done by another wonderful band, Frederick the Younger. Got a chance to see them live a few years ago. They are awesome. And check out their music, frederickthejounger.com. Uh, greetings and salutations to all of you, Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. Normally, my co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, uh, Farrell Elliott. He has the night off tonight, and uh, we will welcome him back for our next episode, which ironically is not next Friday. More to come on that as we move through the show tonight. If you are looking for some drafting action right now, look no further than the inaugural Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament. That's at myffpc.com right now. A lot of different uh, stuff going on with that. $25,000 grand prize, only $125 to enter, $133,000 plus prize pool in that Drafts are going off daily in that right now. And if you want to do a 30-second clock, a two-hour clock, a six-hour clock, live drafts, those are all going on. Uh, You can register those at myffpc.com. And, of course, uh, the the format for this is a best ball slim, no longer 18 rounds. It's 20 rounds now with the FFPC going forward, limited to the first 1,152 teams. So make sure you're registering for that at myffpc.com. If you are looking for a year-round challenge, please check out all the Dynasty Orphans available, myffpc.com slash dynasty for sale. A lot of good options there. Some of them discounted all the way down to a dollar. So make sure you're checking that out if you're looking for uh, something to add to your fantasy football portfolio in 2022. If you want to get in some best ball action, you don't want to get in the tournament, you'd rather play in a 12-team closed league, join up. myffpc.com is your home. For slow, live, and sit-and-go best ball options, super flex, uh, whatever you want, all at myffpc.com. Don't forget to check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Super Sunday Championship Leagues. Those are um, running out. There's only a handful of slots, those available. It's a little misleading because the games, uh, beg your pardon, the drafts are not all on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, there are some afterwards. I do believe I'm participating in the one a little over two weeks from now, on February 20th. So if you want to jump in that one and compete with me, I'd love to, to uh, be owned by you because <laughs> I know I will. Uh, at that, that's at kffsc.com. And I do want to uh, remind everybody that you can um, also check out the latest edition, uh, the new season premiere of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown at rotoviz.com slash podcast. Uh, Dominic Rodeo 
12-time FFPC uh, main event and Football Guys Players Championship League champion on there. We get into a lot of um, ADP and decisions people are making in the never-too-early best ball tournament going on right now. Also touch on some dynasty stuff in there as Dominic Rohde is a very talented dynasty high-stakes player as well. So check that out, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's bring in our first guest tonight. Uh, he is a native of Cleveland and a diehard Browns fan. He currently resides in central Pennsylvania after starting uh, playing fantasy football about a decade and a half ago in a work league, moved up to high stakes leagues uh, in 2009, entered the Football Guys Players Championship for the first time four years after that. He used his first place prize in that league to draft live at the 2014 FFPC main event in Vegas. That's where he said he became hooked and added started, I started adding live and online best ball drafts, auctions, terminators, and much more to his high-stakes portfolio. After his first appearance in the 2017 FFPC Bare Knuckle Challenge, he ramped up his $35 live best ball drafts with the FFPC to prep for the following year's draft. And in fact, he's drafted about 150 live best ball leagues online for the last several years. As a result, he is now the defending champion in the FFPC 1250 Live Best Ball Draft number two, as well as the 2021 FFPC Bare Knuckle Challenge. He also cashed an additional $15,000 for finishing in fifth place overall in the 2021 FFPC main event. You follow him on Twitter at Mike Zuka. Please welcome onto the program the aforementioned Mike Zuka. Mike, I apologize for the difficulties we had with the audio and the show last week, but thanks so much for gracing us with your presence tonight. No Farrell Elliott, so it's just me and you for the next half hour. Really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk shop tonight. No problem, Balky. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure to get on royalty. And, like, so I, I guess we, we get – I want to get into to the bare knuckle and the, and the best balls and everything you've been doing right now. Um, the last couple of years, I mean, you said yourself 2021 was probably your best high-stakes year ever. Before we get into that, can you tell the listeners what you're doing for a living in central Pennsylvania? Uh, sure. So I, I work for a large pension consulting company, boarding uh, and developing actuarial software that um, helps our clients, you know, quantify and manage risk. So it's a really technical job, and, you know, that kind of, you know, brought me into, you know, approaching fantasy football in a really, you know, technical way, and I'm just you know, using that, you know, to... You know, prepare for my draft. And it and, obviously, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say it, it's a job that gives you a lot of time to do. So when you're doing best balls, are you just doing the live ones, or do you do the slow ones where you can draft at your at your leisure as well? Uh, I don't have patience to do slow drafts anymore, so it's pretty much all <laughs> all live drafts. Um, and That's yeah, so, I you. mean, yeah, you've already had you've already had two live, you know, twenty eight round drafts in the Roth this year. I was I was in one of them, so no need to you know get into the slow drafts. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, right yeah. Now. To each their own, uh, for sure. So let's talk bare knuckles here. Um, it was a massive win for you, Ness. Uh, you've done very. You, you know, you've you've been uh, of the last several years. You've probably been the, the most successful drafter in, in this format. Now, for the uninitiated, the bare knuckle drafters can't use any notes, cheat sheets, devices, anything like that. This is all from memory. I'm, I'm kind of curious. In addition to doing all these live best ball drafts. How do you prepare for a 28-round marathon like that? Yeah, I mean, it, it really is uh, just, just getting all those, all those live drafts in. That's really why it's important to do the live drafts, not, not the slow ones, because I can, you know, just you know, get, get the practice, you know, thinking on the fly, being able to, you know, build a team kind of, you know, from, from memory. And, you know, it's, you know, by the time I get to the you know, bare knuckles, it's, you know, well, and when you do that many drafts, I think it becomes easier than somebody who, who is not doing that many. I'm just kind of curious. Do you ever, like, when you're doing a live draft, do you ever try to do it blind, um, you know, uh, where you're just following along with the picks up at the top of the board? Um, or is that just too difficult because you can't look at the whole board at the same time? I've tried to do that. I've done horrible every time I try to do it. It's it, it is a huge <laughs> advantage being able to being able to you know being able to have a draft room and see your cues and yeah it's yeah yeah. Um, so. When you look back and I don't I don't know if you do this on on any of your uh, championships uh, your high stakes championships but do you ever go back and and look at you know oh this is the reason I won this league this pick here this pick here did you do that with the bare knuckle challenge this year I'm just kind of curious the picker picks that you think really cemented the championship for you in that, in that league. Yeah. So, you know, 
pretty much every every big you know, best ball draft I do, whether I win or not, I kind of do you know, a lot of you know analysis on you know which which picks worked out for people, which ones didn't. So yeah, this you know this you know bare knuckles that I won. I I won this one in my in my first four picks. That was really just that was really it. So I you know took Devontae Adams first. You know took Ezekiel Elliott second round. You know two hundred five after the after the game he got you know dropped down by a round because he had a bad Thursday night game. Then Austin Eckler fell to me in the third round, and I took Cooper Cup in the fourth. So it would be hard to lose a league if you started out like that. Yeah, no question. Eckler in the third. I'm trying to remember where he was going off um, at at main event time last or uh, at Las Vegas time last year. But Eckler in the third seems late. Did that seem late to you at the bare knuckle challenge? Yes, because I was going to take him in the second. But yeah, I thought well. Yeah, I thought, well, yeah, well, Ezekiel Elliott's there. I've got to take him. Yeah, but then that actually went. <laughs> that actually was a little higher than he went in main events you know, after the Thursday night game. But yeah. right. Um, so That's yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was and, when and, he had that. He had that. Yeah, yeah, that, that hamstring issue. You know, you know, thought it cleared up by by Thursday, but I think that's why he got dropped down. You know, a little bit in, in drafts. Yeah, no. I mean, like you, you start off a draft with Adams and then uh, Elliott, Eckler, Cup. You're right. I mean, even at 28 rounds, it's tough to lose a league like that. So congratulations on that. I want to move on and talk a little bit about that uh, 1250 best ball number two. Um, one of the key cogs on that team for you that helped you bring in that $9,000 first place prize was Jalen Waddle. He was actually on your fifth place overall uh, main event team uh, as well. So congratulations on that. I'll be honest with you, and I've said this. Um, you know, it's always interesting. We bring these, the, the champs on, you know, in, in January and February. And um, I, I always, you look at the rosters and I feel like, well, there's an overarching theme here that, you know, Mark Andrews, Cooper Cup, Jalen Waddle was one of them as well. And I feel bad because I missed out on him, not only in Dynasty, uh, but in a lot of my drafts, I was kind of down on him uh, this, uh, this past year. And it was to my own detriment. It cost me. Um, right now, if we look to 2022, you've always said you've done a couple of drafts already. He's going at the 312 in, in best ball drafts, number 14 wide receiver off the board. Second year in the league, um, does that seem too high or too low or, or sort of just right for you right now with, uh, beg your pardon, with Waddle going at the end of the third? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm buying at that price. Um, yeah, because, yeah, he's, obviously his, his best games aren't in front of him. So, yeah, he, yeah, that's definitely see the upside for him to be you know, a, a top five receiver, everything, you know, goes well. And yeah. yeah. Even if he has a, a bad I, year, then yeah, he's you know, like, like CD lamb or something. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm looking at it right now. Um, Jalen Waddle. Um, I'm trying to figure out who's uh, so he's going in that sort of glut there at the end of the third round with, it really starts in the middle of the third round with CD lamb and DK Metcalf. And then it goes to T. Higgins, Keenan Allen, Jalen Waddle, and then DeAndre Hopkins right after that. And then you got to wait until the middle of the fourth round to get to Calvin Ridley. So it's those five guys. Just kind of curiously, Mike, when you look at those five receivers right there, I just asked you about Waddle. But Lamb, Metcalf, Higgins, Keenan Allen, any of those guys strike you as, oh, my goodness, I'm not touching those guys there, or, oh, my goodness, I can't believe they're falling that far between Lamb, Metcalf, Higgins, and Keenan Allen. I mean, Metcalf is the one that worries me the most out of out of that group. Um, just, just you know, did not like you know what I saw out of you know, Seattle's offense the second half of the year. Um, then, you know, I I think Russell Wilson's staying, but yeah, I, I'm still yeah, still concerned with you know, Metcalf at that price. Um, this is a good seg. This is a good segue too, Mike, into one of the questions we have in the chat room right now from Hudson Kern Reeve, uh, the Wasp guy. He wants to know um, our best predictions for where Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson end up. And um, I, and I don't know how you have attacked your best ball leagues, knowing that their futures are sort of up in the air right now. You just said you think Wilson returns to Seattle. I think I'm leaning towards that way as well. I've kind of gone back and forth on the Rodgers thing, but I, I think when it comes down to it, I still think at this point, um, he comes back to Green Bay. So I'm saying they stay put. What do, how do you, when you're doing these drafts, you're obviously ba- basing them on Russell Wilson staying in Seattle. Are you also basing them off of Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay? That's, that's the most likely outcome, but yeah, I'm, I'm still, I'm, yeah, 
I, I, I take you know, Devontae Adams in the top five. I was 100% sure he was, you know, Rodgers was staying in Green Bay, and you know, I'm not taking him there. Um, so it's wild because yeah. Devontae Adams was a he was a first round pick last year, and and obviously he did nothing to, uh, you know, on the field dissuade owners from taking him in the first round again. Yet he has indeed fallen uh, to the second round at the 201 um, on average, and he's going behind. Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Tyree Kill. He's actually going um, right above the wide receiver six, which is Debo Samuel. Boy, just a crazy – if you would ask me, Mike, and I don't know uh, how, how you feel about this, but if you would ask me last year, hey, Balky, tell me who the top six receivers are going to be in 2022 drafts, and you would have told me that Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, and, and Debo Samuel are going to be in there. I'm like, oh, my goodness. That's crazy, but but they certainly deserve it. Uh, you said, um, Adams, you're not touching at that price. Are you on board with, you know, guys who had the big career years this past year with Cup, Chase, and Debo Samuel at their current prices? Um, Cup and Chase going in the, in the early first round, and then Debo Samuel going in the mid-second. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I take all of them there, uh, but, yeah, I'm not. Not really actively targeting him because I, I think yeah Cooper Cup is just obvious you know he's you know, obvious you know, your top three pick um, but yeah um, moving on let, let, we're talking with Mike Zuka the uh, bare knuckle challenge champ in uh, 2021 with the FFPC also the 1250 live best ball number two winner and fifth place overall in the main event moving on to talk about Pittsburgh here Ben Roethlisberger retired last week he hung it up. Uh, the Steelers going to be in the market for a new quarterback, or they'll be starting Mason Rudolph this year. Um, knowing that, knowing that Roethlisberger will not be, um, you know, a guy who really struggled to get the ball downfield, um, where Deontay Johnson really benefited um, from Roethlisberger's lack of arm strength. Does that have you passing on Deontay Johnson? He's wide receiver 16 at the 405 right now. You had him on your 1250 best ball team last year. Is is the is the is the draft value for Johnson a little bit too rich in the mid fourth round here as wide receiver 16, Mike? No. Well, I mean, yeah, as a Browns fan, it's easy for me to say that, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger was not very good last year. Um, so I, I don't even, I don't even you know, think that, you know, he, he helps Deontay Johnson that much. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely taking, taking him in the fourth round. Um, I'm looking where who is going on, who's going. Okay, so he's in another glut there, too, at the end of the sort of the mid-fourth to the early fifth. There's, this, is, this is Calvin Ridley, Mike Evans, DJ Moore, then Deontay Johnson, followed by Terry McLaurin, Chris Godwin, and then Tyler Lockett. Uh, so there's a lot of receivers. It's weird. There's a lot of receivers going from the mid-third to the end of the third, and then a lot of receivers going in the mid fourth to the middle of the fifth. That's where you're seeing a lot of the, basically the top 20 receivers all off the board by the middle of the fifth round. Um, Okay. So philosophically, or at least the strategic question here for you, I noticed that in your, your 1250 best ball championship, as well as your main event team that, that took fifth place, Mike, you started with Jonathan Taylor and then Najee Harris. If I'm looking at the boards, right, which I think I was Um, at that, this is at a time when everybody is, is trying to get the early round wide receiver or trying to get that elite tight end in the first couple rounds. Um, running back, running back really hasn't been a thing since prior to PPR when like everybody wanted to start running back, running back, right? Um, is that start, in your opinion, being undervalued in high stakes leagues or is every draft different? You know, it depends upon where, you know, what slot you get. Um, I'm just kind of curious. You don't see the running back, running back start a whole lot. But it worked out really good for you in at least two of your leagues last year, probably more, quite frankly. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. When I when I was younger, I went through a little bit of a zero RB phase. I think I'm over it now. Um, kind of do want to get you know at least at least one uh, running back um, in, in the early rounds. Um, it's you know with you know it was kind of draft specific with with those two because um, I really didn't like any of the any of the receivers that were on the board at the, the one two turn. I you know, was kind of off of Ridley, off of Hopkins, you know, last year. So yeah, it kind of made sense to take two running backs there. Um, I also was let's talk about that. Also talking to, Yeah, go ahead. 
Now, I was just going to ask you, Mike. Let's talk about something you just said there. You went through the the um, the best ball or best ball. You went through the uh, zero RB uh, phase uh, a little while ago, and you're over it right now. Why? What was you know? What was the reason that you decided to to hop on that train and try it out? And sort of, what's the reason why you don't swear by it anymore? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So I, you know, read, read all the articles that came out around, yeah, you know, 2013. Then, yeah, you know, 2015 did that in all my drafts and was really successful in it. Then, yeah, you know, 2016 that didn't work, you know, at all. And we had the, you know, you know it's it's just that, you know, there's there's you know the the yeah, you know, top running backs are also involved in the passing game. You don't really have, you know, a lot of you know the you know, split roles with you know, the other, you know, between the twenties guys and the you know, third down guys. We have guys that you know can do everything, and you really do need to have you know one of those guys on your on your roster to do well. Um, yeah, there's there's always exceptions, but it it just just seems like a lot more work to make a, a zero RB team good than it does to you know just hit on your you know your first first round running back with with all of the with all the leagues that you do all the best balls and even the managed leagues do you find yourself not setting out to do a zero rb team but it the 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 board falls that way so you won't you won't be totally against it but it's it it's it still happens from time to time or is it totally right out for you you won't do it anymore yeah i mean it'll it'll happen you know it happens if i if if there's you know, if there's good value at the, the receiver and tight end position, you know, early rounds, I'll, you know, I'll do that. And I, I still, I still like to avoid taking running backs, you know, usually between like, you know, the, the fourth and the, the eighth round. Usually the running backs there are kind of just, just propped up, you know, based on your perceived, you know, volume. And so I'm, you know, usually always taking receivers at that portion of the draft. And if I, you know, start out with you know, two receivers early, then you know, I kind of end up with a, a zero RB team, but yeah. Well, you're making me feel better about my draft philosophy. I mean, I, I think what, what you're saying here is, is stuff that I've done a lot <laughs> over the last several years, so it's making me feel better about my, my approach to drafts as well. So thank you for that. Let's talk about Darren Waller here uh, for a little bit. Now, this is a guy who was going off in the first round in drafts last year. He slipped, actually, in the never-too-early best ball uh, tournament going on at myffpc.com right now. Darren Waller. Now in the early third round, in fact, he is neck and neck for tight end four with George Kittle. Both Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts has moved in front of him. Uh, Travis Kelsey still being drafted as a uh, first-round tight end. Um, Josh McDaniels, the new head coach for Darren Waller in Las Vegas this year. Is Darren Waller now a value and a good buying opportunity for drafters right now, given that his ADP might move up here as we get closer and closer to the start of the 2022 season, Mike. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still not buying him there. I, I was you know, hoping for more of a discount on him because, um, yeah, he's, yeah, he's 30 years old. Um, you know, Hunter Redpro is not going away. Um, yeah, so I just, just, just think it was kind of a perfect situation, you know, two years ago that you know, he did what he did. So, yeah. But, so yeah, you tight end so at that kind of ugly, but at that at that point in the draft, Mike, and, and we're talking Mike Zuka, the bare knuckle challenge champ, twelve fifty live best ball number two champ, fifth place main event in the twenty twenty one FFPC uh, player tonight. You follow him on Twitter at Mike Zuka. Just curiously, so at that point, if Darren Waller is is going at the three hundred three and George Kittle's going at the same spot. Would you rather draft Kittle there? Would you rather wait a full round and take T.J. Hawkinson? Or would you rather wait until the end of the fifth round and get Dallas Goddard um, all over Darren Waller at the 303? Yes, I, I, I take Kittle over Waller you know, straight up. Um, and I guess you know, waiting, waiting and you know, taking, taking Hawkinson and Goddard you know, around later doesn't really sound that great either. Um, yeah, tight end's just kind of a mess this year, um, so I'm not really sure what I'm going to do at you know, tight end um, right now. Um, but, you know, maybe just maybe just take you know, Kelsey early and, and not have to worry about it because yeah, I can I can find things wrong with you know, pretty much all the all the tight ends you know going at the top of the drafts. Mike, what's what's sort of been your philosophy on tight ends over the last couple of years? Is it try to get one of the top three or four guys? Is it wait till there's like seven or eight guys and then, and you know, off the board and then draft one um, and then maybe another one 
pretty quick after that. Have you had any, I don't want to say hard and fast rules, but have, have you had a tight end template um, that you follow in FFPC best ball drafts? Yeah, so I mean, yeah, yeah, getting getting a getting a good tight end is is a lot more important in a best ball draft than it is just in a regular, you know, kind of you know, a, a redraft league because there's no 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 waiver wire, um, no yeah I can't I can't you know pick up you know Dalton Schultz or Dawson Knox off the waiver wire in a in a, in a best ball league. So I do do want to make sure that I have um, you know, want want to leave a draft with, with four, four tight ends and um, yeah probably at least, at least one that's that's in the yeah. You know, and, you know, a top eight guy, and yeah, and if I if I can get one of the good tight ends early, it just just makes the rest of the draft a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, for sure it does. Um, Mike, you mentioned him just now, Dalton Schultz. He was actually on a ton of your winning teams um, in 2021. He's obviously moved up as we would expect he would after a big time 2021 season. Currently going, uh, I believe, as tight end number eight at the six twelve. So he is now a six-round pick in the FFPC. Would you still want to be in business with him if you had to invest a late six-round pick in uh, into Dalton Schultz this year, or would you be looking elsewhere? Um, yeah. I mean, so I, I just I just took him at, you know, 7.03 on, on Wednesday night. So, yeah, def- definitely in on that price. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit, you know, concerned that he's a, he's a you know, free agent. Um, yeah. But, yeah. If he stays in Dallas, yeah, that's definitely a good price. Dallas is interesting, too, because they do have some decisions to make. I want to say both Cooper and Gallup are are facing free agency, and you'd like to think that at least one of those guys comes back. And, you know, we we do have Blake Jarwin down in Dallas still, I believe, under contract. He got that – he got the big deal. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Dalton Schultz since he was so integral – in that Dallas offense uh, last year, no question. Um, let's get to a couple of listener emails that we have here that, that, again, I apologize for last week, Mike, but they came in for you last week. The first one comes out of Wheeling, Illinois, a listener named Jason. We want to thank for not only listening, but emailing the program. He writes, hey, Mike, uh, which Browns tight end will be the one to own in 2022? Harrison Bryant or Austin Hooper? Congrats on a huge year. That's Jason in Wheeling, Illinois. This is right in your wheelhouse as a, as a uh, Browns fan, Mike. You have any strong feelings when it comes to Bryant versus Austin Hooper? Well, I mean, my answer to that would be none of the above. I mean, I, I, I hope that we get you know, David <laughs> and Joker back. He's the, he's the, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. So yeah, Austin Hooper. Yeah, what, what happened with him? That's that's what kind of has me worried about Dalton Schultz because yeah, I. You know, kind of saw that with Austin Hooper. He was a you know, had a big year. He was a you know, big big free agent signing. Then yeah, you know, just just didn't, didn't pan out for us. And, yeah, I kind of kind of see the Browns trying to force the ball to Austin Hooper. You know, the first you know, couple of plays of the game, and then he's just you know not doing anything for huge stretches. So yeah, I'm yeah. hoping it's, um, it's David and Joku. But then if I have to choose a single one, I'd, I'd say Harrison Bryant, and then Hooper's third. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I don't see Bryant going um, in, um, in the never-too-early best ball uh, drafts right now. And Joku is going off the board as tight end 32 at the 17-10. And then Austin Hooper, uh, tight end 36 at the 19-04. So um, when it comes to the, I guess Joku would be the, the Browns tight end, quote-unquote, to own. But I don't necessarily know if you want to count on either one of those guys, Mike as you just pointed out right now um, in regards to that. Uh, Last email we have, uh, Barry in Arbuckle, California. He writes, what's up, Team Mongooses? Uh, Given that he's going at the end of the fourth round in the never-too-early tournament right now, is Terry McLaurin a nice value? That is Barry in Arbuckle, California. We actually kind of touched on this a little bit earlier when we were talking about all those receivers going in that sort of – that that area of the the, uh, mid-third to to – to uh, late fourth round, uh, you have a situation where Terry McLaurin's going as wide receiver 19 at the 501. Not totally sure we know who the quarterback's going to be there. How are you handing, uh, handling Terry McLaurin right now in, in your drafts, Mike? Okay. Well, so he, he's, a, he's another guy I drafted on uh, in the draft on Wednesday, so I got him at the, at the, at the 410. So, yeah, I definitely like him there. Um, I, I think he just – just kind of had the, you know, the, 
a really bad luck situation last year. Um, cause he was he was going to have a going to have a huge year if, if Fitzpatrick stays healthy. But um, yeah, yeah, and McLaurin too. I mean, is a guy like every. I feel like not necessarily. Maybe it was a year before, but everybody was falling all over themselves trying to get him uh, on their team, and now you can get him again. Like like we just said, late fourth, early fifth round. Uh, Terry McLaurin is a top twenty receiver off the board. Um, all right, so. Let, let's talk about this. Our, normally, Farrell asks this question, but I'll ask it tonight. With the FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament underway, with FFPC closed 12-team drafts already underway, Mike, can you give us a player, and, and we kind of touched on a few of these so far, can you give us a player that you think is going to be an early-round bust um, for people who are drafting here in February, as well as a sleeper that you would tell players, hey, you need to target this guy in the middle part or even the latter part uh, of your drafts? Okay, all right. So yeah, for the for the early round bust, um, yeah, he's a, he's a great player, but I'm not going to have much of Derrick Henry uh, this you know, next you know, this mm. year. Um, I kind of you know, faded him last year. Was wrong about that. Kind of got bailed out by the injury, but yeah, he's yeah, just you know, getting older. You know, it seems like the Titans are using using other guys. He's not going to have you know, he's not going to have that passing game usage he had you know, those those first couple of weeks of the of yeah of 2021 and yeah. Just would rather be rather be a year too early than a year too late. I'm fading him. Um, yeah, I'm totally with you on that. What about um, a flip side of the coin, Mike? A sleeper that that you would be targeting in the middle, the latter part of your draft. Um, okay, so yeah, one one of the guys I'm I'm targeting. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah. really really like uh, yeah, Kadarius Tony. Um, you're from, from the Giants. Um, Really, really like you know, the the coaching hire that they made, um, and you know, we, we only saw like one or two games out of him, but um, I, I think he has a potential just just to you know, smash the you know, his um, ADP right now. Yeah, he, yeah, he could be you know, a top ten ten receiver. Yeah, you know, seeing seeing reports, yeah, they're going to try to use him like 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 Tyree Kill, and I kind of see the see some similarities there, and yeah. I, I think he's a guy I'm going to be targeting early because I think his his ADP will only go up as we you know, start start hearing more and more going reports about him. That's interesting stuff. I like it, and uh, it makes a lot of sense here. Final question, Mike, before we let you go, enjoy your weekend. Um, you won a ton of FFPC free leagues this past year, and by my count, uh, the better part of fifty thousand dollars in cash. Uh, have you made any plans? Have you spent any of that money yet? What What are you going to do with all that? Uh, with all your winnings this year, man? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm well, like I always do. I'm going to going to reinvest a bunch of that into um, you know FFPC leagues for next year. Um, kind of, you know, kind of always always reinvested all my winnings in, in, into into future leagues. I probably won't do that you know, this year, but um, yeah, so we really haven't made any big plans yet. But I'm, I'm going to be going to be going to be back in Vegas. Um, I can't wait to see you, man. Uh, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a pleasure. Congratulations on a massive 2021. Thank you so much for trying to join us last week. Again, user error on my part um, for trying to get you on when I couldn't. Uh, but thanks so much for making some time uh, this week. I hope um, you're enjoying all your best ball leagues. Best of luck in 2022. And you never know. Maybe this year will be even better than last year, Mike. We all follow you on Twitter at Mike Zuka. Be good, dude, and we'll talk again soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Mike Zuka, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Cleveland Browns fan in central Pennsylvania who won the Bare Knuckle Challenge last year, fifth place overall in the FFPC main event, and, of course, the 1250 Live Best Ball Champion. Like I said, I won it – drafted in 150 plus best ball leagues last year he's got a ton of free leagues coming his way for how successful he was there and uh you know he'll he'll definitely be making a name for himself in 2022 again as nobody will want to be in the league with uh, the same league with mike zuka and the same can be said for our second guest tonight uh ladies and gentlemen who i'm going to bring on right now started playing fantasy football oh about 15 plus years ago over the course of his high stakes career he's amassed um almost 20 league titles including winning and to my knowledge the only two-time champ 
of the FFPC Super Bracket Tournament, uh, the $10,000 that went along with it in 2021. Please welcome back, who I believe joined us, was one of the, on the first season of the HSFF Hour, uh, was one of our guests in October of that year. He's back on here in February of 2022. You follow him on Twitter, at CapZeb. It is Mr. Zeb Cap. Zeb, what's up, man? How are you? Good, man. Y'all, you're making me blush. I, uh, <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah, you're coming through you great, man. Okay. Yeah, I thought you were going to forget about the uh, 2014 title. You did forget that I went 16-0 and 0 that year, though. So I forgot about that. There. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's an... So, so this year, Zeb, you, you win it again. Um, it was, I think you were the 23rd seed. We'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but um, w- this wasn't cheapened at all. I mean, obviously the first one is always the, the, the most special one, but the second time winning it, that had to be oh so sweet too, knowing that you're the only two-time uh, Super Bracket champ. Yeah, yeah. You know, back in 2014, um, I, I went into the tournament like 11 and 0, and I thought, well, there's no way I'm going to win this thing. I'll have to go 16 0 to win, and I did. And then this year, <laughs> the team that won was probably my least favorite team. I usually buy three of these every year, and um, manage to get you know one or two into the tournament. And out of my three this year, I got all three in. And <clears throat> looking at you know the the rosters before the tournament started, I thought this one was my the team that would be least likely to win the tournament. Um, so go figure, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, so, I mean, when, when you looked at it, like, why did you think were the other two just that, that you had drafted, were the other two that strong? Because it sounds like th- this one you didn't think had much of a chance. Like, what, why was this one, in your opinion, at the start of the season, significantly not as good as the other two? Well, yeah, so, so hindsight, you know, is twenty twenty. But I, I drafted this one in Vegas. And um, I had the number one seed. So, you know, like everyone else, I probably went, I went CMC and um, just wasn't one of my deeper teams. Like I started out with McCaffrey at one Uh, round two. I went DK Metcalf, CD lamb was three Uh, Deontay Johnson round four Uh, went Javante Williams in round five. Kyler fell to me uh, at six twelve. And then after that, man, that team was just hot garbage after round six. I think I got, like, Mooney in, in 10 or 11. Um, the key for this team was really the free agency. I, uh, I managed to get um, Dalton Schultz and Hunter Renfro uh, off the waiver wire. Yeah, and that was, like, uh, week two or three, I can't remember. So they helped strengthen that bench. I also got Friermouth from Pittsburgh. Uh, but, you know, other guys that I drafted in Vegas, I think I had, like, Tanya on that team and uh, Gerald Everett. So I usually like to have a deeper squad, and this one just, for me, it didn't really pass the smell test on paper. You know, it's like I went into the tournament with 10 starters, basically. I think I had Mooney on my bench that I could swap out if I wanted and uh, just managed to, to hit it every week that I needed to. Uh, you know, one of the other interesting things, I did I did go early with Hubbard on this one since I did have McCaffrey, and uh, mm-hmm. he he helped me, you know, when McCaffrey was out for so long. But you know, McCaffrey came back and then what he played a week or two and got injured again, and so you know I was going into the tournament with um, Williams and Gordon. I had Melvin Gordon as well. So I think through most of the tournament, I started both of those guys just thinking, okay, one of those two might do something for Denver, you know, any given week. Uh, But, yeah, I had, uh, you know, the final week of that uh, contest. Uh, I went into Monday night, and I needed Deontay to get me, like, 14 points. And... I think that was the night Big Ben threw like eight passes to him for 30 yards, but he got the touchdown. So only won (laughs) by three that week. And then two weeks before that, I I only won by like five, and I almost screwed that up by benching Mooney for Metcalf, but luckily Metcalf uh, caught enough passes. So that one was probably one of the most challenging 
leagues I've won as far as team management. I had to do really well because the team wasn't as deep. I, when when Murray was out, I mean, I was playing guys like Big, excuse me, Big Ben. I had Jordan Love in one week, Colt McCoy. So it was just a, it was a rough rough couple weeks there. So I'm very shocked. I had another team. The team I thought that would win it all was my favorite. I had uh, had Jalen Hurts and uh, Kamara. I think Clyde was on there and and Mixon and in addition having Clyde, I had Daryl Williams and I had Lockett and Renfro and Schultz and just a whole bunch of studs and actually got past week one of the tournament without a QB. That was when Hertz went down and my only backup oh, yeah. there was uh, my only backup was Simeon and then Simeon got uh, I think he went on the COVID list so I just got totally hosed. Um, with that one, I, I, I got beat in round two of the tournament. But, yeah, just as far as team depth, I, I mean, the waiver wire really helped me out there. Otherwise, that team would wouldn't have had, wouldn't have had a shot at all. With, with the Super Bracket tournament, uh, like actually take, the tournament taking place, weeks 13 to 17, when you're drafting these teams, Zeb, is, you know, considering the success you've had, do you pay attention to, to matchups for individual players in that, or is, or is that just – too deep. We don't know who's going to be healthy. We don't know who's going to be on or off the COVID list. How much attention do you pay in that to that when you're drafting these squads? So probably when I first started playing fantasy football, you know, I'd look at the schedule and think, oh, I want, I want this guy because if I get that far, I'm, you know, he's going to have a good week. Um, but I'd say probably the biggest mistake I made, which pretty crazy, but that Jalen Hurts example, I mean, I should have I should have rethought the QB situation a little bit better, but I mean, what are the odds that my starting QB would, you know, sprain his ankle and then my bench QB would get uh, COVID, right? So right. next year I might actually next year I might go with three QBs in the championship <laughs> round just to be safe, because uh, yeah, that one stung a little bit. It was probably my favorite favorite team for sure, but yeah, I don't I. I don't like to look at schedules and and try to forecast, you know, oh, that team has a bad run defense. I want, you know, this running back for those weeks. It I mean, we've we've all played this um long enough that we know anything can happen, right? You know, you can have a stud wide receiver against a stud corner, so you think you're gonna bench the stud wide receiver and then he goes off. So I, I don't like to pay too much attention to that anymore. Uh, maybe maybe on the daily fantasy games I look at that a little bit if when I when I play them, but not on season long stuff. I just want guys that I feel comfortable with rolling out every week. You mentioned him when you talked about your big pickups for the season, Hunter Renfro. He was awesome in twenty twenty one, but like anything, the price goes up. If you look at the uh, never-too-early uh, best ball tournament that's going on right now with the FFPC. Hunter Renfro has ascended to wide receiver 22 at the 507 uh, right now. So it, it, if you were drafting this early, uh, Zeb, when, when you see that guy available in the mid-fifth round, given that you picked him up off the waiver wire last year, but every year is a new year, would you want to be in business with somebody like Hunter Renfro at a mid-fifth round price? Um. Yeah, for answer, just for the listeners, you know, we did not stage this question. That's just coincidence that I picked him up. But, um, yeah, 507, 507 seems, seems fair value to me. I think, I think I looked and he was like, you know, 11th overall FFPC scoring last year. So coming yeah. in at 22, 20, 22 ranked in – the best balls uh, this early seems fair, you know, and you know, then you have McDaniels there now. And I mean, we all know how much Tom Brady loved Julian Edelman. So, I mean, it, I don't know if McDaniels is going to focus that receiving game more on uh, Renfro or not. I mean, he also likes uh, Waller, you know, he like he likes the tight ends. I have a little tight end joke there, but no one's getting it. I'm guessing. <laughs> So, I got it. I just so, chose not to laugh I, I, right I away. I'm trying to keep it PG, PG-13 tonight. Well, you know? I think that's what threw me off. 
I think that because Zeb, I was expecting, not that I'm encouraging you, I would never encourage you to go down that road, but I, I kind of expected a little, you know, I was like, ah, he can't be making a tight end joke there with McDaniels. Yeah. And apparently you were. Yeah. But, but I appreciate but, you keeping it PG. Yeah, well, I'm a little off tonight. So, like, two hours ago, sitting in my kitchen, and I hear this, like, thud, 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 and my – my three and a half year old fell down the stairs. I nearly had a flipping stroke, and uh, oh he's my fine. So I'm I'm a I'm a little off my game tonight. Um, but yeah, I, I did have that tight end joke queued up. I don't think I have any others. So. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I totally I I don't do a ton of best ball. But I mean, if I was doing one, I I wouldn't you know be shy on taking Renfro uh, middle fifth. Fast forward to Super Bracket, Football Guys, main event, whatever you want here this year, later in drafting season. Now, currently, Cooper Cup is being the number one wide receiver drafted at the 104. Given his historic seasons, uh, if, if you were picking, um, let's say in a main event or a Super Bracket, and Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, first three picks off the board. Is Cooper Cup your guy there at four? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting you ask this question because I was thinking uh, the other day and was talking to my coworker actually about it, and I, I told my coworker I, I wouldn't hesitate to take him at 101 next year. So, wow. Yeah. You know, how often, yeah, I mean, how often do we all take, you know, you know, traditionally this year it was McCaffrey and Kamara and, you know, I mean, I this year I thought Kelsey was early at the 103, but, geez, after – after watching Cup, you know, maybe maybe doing Cup at 101 isn't so bad. And then tar- targeting the uh, the wide, uh, the running backs later, I guess maybe my, my victory in super, super Bracket might even give me a little confidence to try that, given that I took CMC at one overall this year and then didn't even have him. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not uh, – I'm not, like, disgusted by taking him at the 104 because – I think I might even try taking him at 101 next year at some point. Well, and to your point, Zeb, I'll just say this. It, again, this is the never-too-early best ball ADP, which shout-out to Fantasy Mojo, fantasymojo.com, at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter. Darren Armani puts this together for us, does a tremendous job. Um, if you did go cup, at, like if you got the first pick, and you got cup at 101, you're, and you wanted to pile on a couple of stud running backs when it comes back to you, you probably have your pick of Nick Chubb, Antonio Gibson, and Saquon Barkley. You could grab, I mean, and I don't know how you feel about any of those guys, but if you take Cub at the 101 to have your, you know, your pick of two of those three guys, that's probably not the worst start in the world considering um, what Cup was, uh, was able to do this year. I do want to talk about running backs that are going uh, beyond the second round, specifically that are going in the mid-seventh round right now. You have a situation where you have James Conner, you have Damian Harris and Kareem Hunt, bing, bang, boom, going all in the mid-seventh. If you made up your mind, you were going running back at that spot. Zeb, do you have a favorite running back out of those three right now between Connor, Harris, and Hunt? Yeah, so right now, uh, I mean, I know he's a free agent, but I think I think I'd go Connor uh, for sure, followed by Hunt and then Harris. I, I think Connor will re-sign with Arizona and – and he was a top ten running back, you know, when he was healthy. I, I mean, I know Hunt's yeah. good. I don't. I. I. You know, it's probably one A, one B right there with with Hunt. But uh, I just like Arizona's offense better, and uh, just feel more comfortable taking Hunt. I mean, I'm surprised he's, you know, still there in the seventh. But again, it, it's still it's best ball we're talking about, which is you know not right. necessarily my my forte, but. Uh, yeah, Hunt, Hunt definitely after Connor, and then, yeah, I, I, I like Harris, but you know, with Stevenson there, I just seems like a, an unknown for me going into year two of uh, Stevenson being there, and then McDaniel, McDaniel's being gone. There's just too many unknowns for me with that uh, Patriots offense right now. So, yeah, I would definitely. I mean, if I was going to pick Harris, it'd have to be like a, a last girl at the bar situation right now. <laughs> um, in a draft. Um, so. I just asked you about this. Let's 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 flash back to the second round. Antonio Gibson, um, running back thirteen, two twelve is his ADP. I'm kind of curious because I I think J D. McKissick is a free agent right now, 
And obviously when he was not playing, when he was hurt, Gibson had some really great weeks because he was playing a lot more third downs than he was when McKissick was healthy. So knowing that that is an unknown, if you are drafting in February, Antonio Gibson, is that a bargain at 212? Is that right where he should be going? Um, or is he a bust at, at that area? Uh, well, first, I think uh, I just want to give a little shout-out to uh, my buddy Chris Vincent. I think, I think Chris would probably say that uh, 101 is a spot to take him. I think he took him at, like, I think he took him at like 103 last year in one of the uh, you know, uh, broadcast drafts. He called in and talked to you and was, I think he said he was going to shock the world by taking him at 103, and I think we all know how that worked out. And he out. did. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's amazing that guy actually does well at fantasy football with picks like that. But um, okay, back, okay, two two twelve. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, yeah, McKissick is a uh, a free agent, uh, but yeah, I mean, I I like Gibson. I mean, I I wouldn't. Uh, I, I guess I'm indifferent. Like, I wouldn't say that's a terrible reach to get him at two twelve. I mean, I don't think he'd fall past maybe middle of the third. So I mean, I I. I can't really argue with the the two twelve. So news this week in the NFL, um, in fact, within the last day or two, um, the Jaguars have settled on a new head coach. It is indeed Doug Peterson. So now, and and Zeb, I know you're not drafting at at this moment in time, but looking forward um, to the season, Travis Etienne's coming off the injury. James Robinson is is probably going to miss most if not all the season because of an injury trevor lawrence season two dj chark coming back from an injury so you have a lot of moving parts in that jaguars offense but the guy moving them around will be doug peterson what are your early thoughts on jaguars and ffpc drafts this year knowing that the former super bowl coach will be leading them into battle uh, you know i could see i mean out of I don't know if, if Marvin Jones is a free agent, but what you'll have Chenault, Marvin Jones, and Shark. I, I guess one of those three will probably emerge um, as far as confidence levels in any one of them. I, I'd say I'm lukewarm on all of them. Uh, just I, I never really was a fan of uh, Peterson when he was at the Eagles. I think like I think Alshon maybe got like 60, 70 catches when he was the coach there. Um, so I just I don't know I uh, if I'm drafting any Jaguars next year it'll ju- just it'll be because I'm I'm fairly desperate to get someone I mean if if Robinson is out the full year uh, you know Etienne could get some get a bulk of the carries so so out of out of all the Jaguars probably him and then maybe Chark if he's uh, fully healthy but you you never know if uh, there's chemistry there between uh, Lawrence and him so that one's just, that one's pretty tough I. One of them might be on the uh, someone's sleeper list, right? So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm lukewarm to Doug Peterson. I've never really got excited for drafting any of the players on his teams. DJ Chark, um, wide receiver 51 at the 11:08 right now. Um, Chanel is going as wide receiver 56 at the 12:08. And then you have Marvin Jones, wide receiver, 71 at the 15.04. He is indeed under contract with the Jaguars for one more year. If they do decide to move on from him, it is an $8.7 million cap hit. So I don't think that they would. But it's Jacksonville. Anything's possible. Uh, anything could happen and usually does uh, with, uh, with the yeah. Jaguars. Um, let's talk Dynasty here real quick, Zeb. The, you, I know you have several Dynasty teams at the FFPC. Have you, or, or when will you start looking at players uh, on those rosters that you're like, you know what, I'd rather be a year too early than a year too late on this guy. I'm going to start sending out offers and see if I can get, you know, 80, 90 cents on the dollar for, for this veteran. Have you experienced that? Are there any players, or just in general, that if you owned them in Dynasty, you would be looking to, to cash in on them now? Um, you know, for the for the listeners that have been in league with me, I think they know that I typically I like to trade away my future picks. I I don't like the unknowns, so I typically you know if I have a solid veteran that I know can produce, um, 
I try to hold on to them as long as possible, just run them into the ground. Uh, so, you know, for example, uh, one of my leagues, I uh, traded a future second for, for C.A. one, which I thought was really good value uh, for him. Uh, I know he's getting old, and I know Jefferson's the guy there, but future second for C.A. one seemed reasonable, you know, uh, Cousins loves him. So, uh, so to answer your question, I tend to sometimes go after the older guys that might be uh, on the last legs of their career. Mm. I, I'll def, I, own, I, own, I own Antonio Brown in a few leagues, if anyone wants him. Cheap. <laughs> um, so, and, uh, you know, of, of just a few other examples, uh, in, in one of my leagues, uh, needed a, a QB, so I traded a future first for Herbert. Uh, another league where I, I was thin at running back, wanted to strengthen my bench. I traded a first for uh, Edwards Elaire. Um, one of the more, I guess, debated trades I did this year was I traded a future first for Kareem Hunt. And you know, some people liked it. Some people said they wouldn't trade a future first for him. So I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? You think a future first right now for a running back needy team for Hunt is it's too expensive? Well, this this team that you that you did it is it is it ready? I mean, is it a win now? Like, do you have the pieces to win a championship right now? You just need a running back. Uh, last year was a little rough because I had Kamara and I had uh, very thin at running back, so I traded for Derrick Henry. Uh, but I got like I've got a very pretty solid team. Um, so yeah, the Hunt was really just to strengthen the bench, uh, just in case Kamara or or Henry get injured. So more, more insurance than anything, not, not necessarily, Oh, I need him for sure. But uh, I just thought, okay, he's a good guy to have on the bench. And if, if Chubb gets injured well, or something, you know, he, he's definitely top, top 10 at that point, top five, maybe. Yeah. So. I, yeah. I would say he's when, when Chubb, if Chubb were to go down, um, yeah, then you're looking at top five um, from, from Kareem Hunt for sure. I'm just looking at. First of all, I love the I love the the bold call to to trade and and you're a guy as you just mentioned. You're not afraid to trade away um, uh, draft picks for guys that that are known that are known properties, right? And Kareem Hunt would make some sense there, you know. And, and so I think that I don't necessarily. Here's the thing, Jeff. I don't necessarily know if if I would have pulled the trigger on that deal, but the way that you're describing your roster certainly it makes a lot of sense on a point per game. Uh, case last year, he was the number 20 running back. So in, in that sense, you are getting a number two running back. Uh, Kareem Hunt had spike weeks, 27.5 points, 16.7, 26. You know, so he was very good when, when Chubb was out. So I think it, it, you can definitely make the case that that was the right choice for that team at that time, and, and I certainly wouldn't disagree with it. You had mentioned another trade you made with Justin Herbert, and we do have a question from the chat room tonight uh, from your buddy Wasp Guy, who wants to know oh God. Uh, <laughs> what fantasy quarterback rank, like in the FFPC, do you expect Justin Herbert to be at the end of this upcoming season? And I assume it's pretty high, given that the trade that you just made, right? Yeah, I mean, I could, I top five for sure. I, I don't know if he'll pass, you know, uh, Allen or or Mahomes or Jackson, but yeah, I'd say say top five, if not top four, for sure. Uh, I feel comfortable saying that one. As I thought far as I can talk figure, about our... oh, go ahead, go ahead. As far as I can figure, and I want you to touch on what you were just about to mention, but I'll just say this real quick. Justin Herbert finished his quarterback three last year. So to say he's top five this year, I mean, that wouldn't you kind, kind of expect that? I, I think I might at this point. Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually thought he was QB1 when, when Wasp asked the question. I thought he was setting me up. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, if, I mean, they, they got they, – Yeah, they need to – I mean, they need to get uh, – they need to re-sign Mike Williams. You know, there there is some uncertainty there. So – uh, you know, I, I guess I'd rather be a little bit uh, lean on the on the uh, ranking rather than be confident that they're going to get Mike Williams back. But yeah, I I like him. He uh, 
Wasp sold him on me this year. We had a shared main event team, and I, I talked Wasp out of drafting Mahomes in round three, thank God. Um, he wanted to draft Mahomes <laughs> or Kyle Pitts. Yeah, he wanted to draft Mahomes or Kyle Pitts. So I talked him out of it. We, I think we ended up getting uh, Herbert in like round nine or ten in that league. So yeah, yeah, he he sold me on him this year. So he and 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 to his he, credit, he said he was going to be. A, he did say he'd be top five when uh, when we drafted him. So I'll I'll give him some uh, respect there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and uh, that's what he said. He was saying in the chat, like this was a guy that you were kind of skeptical about. But this main event team that you guys shared was very successful this season, probably in part by getting Justin Herbert uh, that late. All right. Um, we're running out of time here. So two more questions here for you, Zeb, and, and we'll let you enjoy okay. the weekend yep. here. A um, lot of FFPC players already drafting for 2022. We've touched on a few of their ADPs um, uh, tonight. I know it's early in the game, and it's a totally unfair question, but can you give us a player that you think is going to be an early-round bust um, this season, and then a sleeper that you would tell Hudson Kern Reeve to say, "Hey, we need to target this guy in the middle of the draft. We need to make sure that we're getting this guy late in the draft. Uh, a bust and a sleeper, essentially, is what I'm asking here uh, of you, Zeb." Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I I fell into the hype last year on DK. You know, drafted him in round two. So I I still could see people, you know, drafting him round two or three, but, uh, you know, his performance this year definitely doesn't warrant that high of a draft slot. I think maybe like late five, round six maybe for him. Uh, another one could possibly be Etienne. Just Doug, Doug yeah. Peterson, I, I don't know if you if you remember Miles Sanders when he came in. I think Peterson was playing Boston Scott when Miles Sanders was a rookie. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Etienne busts a little bit, but – Maybe uh, maybe Peterson makes him a bell cow, but I, I doubt it. Uh, sleeper, uh, geez, that one's tough. I'm gonna. I know people hate him. I'm gonna say Juju. Uh, you know, it oh. sounds like Steelers are gonna. Yeah. No, I'm not saying you know like 100 catches, but uh, maybe 75, 80 catches uh, with the Steelers. It sounds like they want him back, or he wants to go back there. So. Just just looking at people going in that range, maybe maybe Juju. I mean, if I had to pick between Juju and Clay and could get Juju later, I'd probably go Juju. So value-wise, I'd, I'd, I'd say if he goes late, that's good value. It's interesting because, it's, it's like, assuming that the Steelers do re-sign Smith-Schuster, which I think is probably the most likely outcome at this point, if you look at FFPC never-too-early best ball drafts right now, Claypool is wide receiver 42. Smith-Schuster, wide receiver 46. They're actually pretty close in drafts right now. Claypool at the 904, Juju Smith-Schuster at the 1003. Juju Smith-Schuster going uh, right between Tyler Boyd and then the rookie Garrett Wilson right now. So um, Smith-Schuster, like with, you know, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be in Pittsburgh, but taking a chance on Smith-Schuster um, in the 10th round, if it is a, a quarterback that just cannot get the ball down the field again, yeah, Smith-Schuster could be Deontay Johnson light, and you're getting seven rounds of value on him, or at least six rounds of value on him uh, in comparison to Johnson, too. So certainly worth taking a chance on. Uh, Zeb, now $20,000 is roughly what you took in in cash last year by my figures. Do you have any plans for spending that money or, or you know, anything particular that you have lined up that you're going to utilize those funds for or reinvestment? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so probably like five to ten on the reinvestment, and then um, late summer, early fall last year, I redid all the the floors in my house, did some tile flooring. That was like oh ten, eleven grand. So basically, reimbursed myself for that. So yeah, it's gone. <laughs> it's basically gone. Uh, you know, reserve a little bit for ta- reserve a little bit for taxes. Um, but yeah, yeah, it worked out good. Nice little, nice little surprise and, doing the tile floors and then winning that much. So, yeah, no question. And and now that we're talking with the only multiple winner in the FFPC Super Bracket Tournament history, another ten thousand dollar title probably on the horizon for you. No question, right? Yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> we follow you on Twitter. At Tap Zeb. Zeb, this is always a pleasure talking shop with you. Uh, a lot of fun. 
Good luck in all your leagues this season. Enjoy those new floors in your house. Um, and uh, enjoy the Super Bowl, man. We'll talk again soon. All right. Hey, you have a good weekend. Take care. Thank you. Zeb Cap, ladies and gentlemen, the 2021 FFPC Super Bracket $10,000 champion. Um, won it in 2015, wins it again in 2021. So shout out to him. Uh, really good to, uh, to have him on the show tonight. I do want to thank Mike Zuka, our first guest tonight. Of course, Zeb Cap, who we just got done talking with. The FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you. Thank a uh, special shout out to Farrell Elliott, who um, uh, could not make the broadcast tonight. Uh, hope everything is well uh, with him and his family. And uh, we will hope to talk with him uh, next week on these airwaves. Special shout-out to uh, former guest of the show, Brad Ginter, celebrating a birthday today. Happy birthday, Brad. Um, and um, uh, always a pleasure to talk fantasy football with him, as is every guest on this show. I love learning more. Hopefully you learn some more uh, and, uh, in order to become a better drafter in 2022 and beyond. Um, little housekeeping here. Number one, we do not have a show on Friday next week. Farrell and I are both uh, dealing with some scheduling issues. So we are going to be live on Thursday at 10-9 Central. The never-too-early best ball championship is on right now. Who better to talk best ball with than the winner of the inaugural FFPC best ball tournament and a $100,000 champion, Connor O'Driscoll, will join us. Connor O'Driscoll, who uh, covers fantasy football for rotoviz.com, he won the 100K in the inaugural best ball tournament last season. He's going to join us on Thursday at 10-9 Central. I want to remind you to register for that uh, first-ever never-too-early best ball tournament, myffpc.com. Don't forget about picking up some of the Dynasty Orphans available at myffpc.com slash dynasty for sale. Plenty of slow, live, and sit-and-go best ball options, 30 seconds, 2 hours, 60 seconds, uh, 6 hour clocks, whatever you want. MyFFPC.com. couple of spots left in the Super Sunday Championship over at KFFSC.com. So make sure you're registering for that. With that, your Pro Bowl weekend. This has been another now. episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I know I just mentioned it, ladies and gentlemen, but if you do have a chance uh, to text Farrell, remember to, uh, to text him um, or email him, too. You can always email him, too, at uh, jfarrellelliot at gmail.com, 502-471-7281. If you are looking to cash in one of those spots with the uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Super Sunday Championship, do that, and also to send uh, words of encouragement uh, he's okay. Um, just a family thing for him tonight. Just uh, wish him all the best, as we do uh, on this program as well. And we will talk to him, uh, God willing, on Thursday with Connor O'Driscoll, who will give you all the best ball tips you need to become a six-figure champion with the FFPC this year. Not sure how many people are taking in the Pro Bowl. Enjoy it if you are. Don't know if it's going to happen for me. But in any event, we will talk with you again on Thursday. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it.